0: That was my dear friend, the lovely and very talented Wendy Rule, singing Animus from her CD Between the Worlds. I have a very special show for you this week about the true nature of the elemental kingdom and the entities that some of us work with called elementals. I will be giving a basic understanding of the hyperdimensional physics involved with the elemental or etheric plane from the theory of creation, as well as the personified forces that make up this plane. I will also be summoning the elemental of fire right on the show to demonstrate the proper way of dealing with these primal beings. After the break in the second part of the show, I am going to be sharing with you my dissertation on psychokinesis, or moving matter, with your mind alone. I will also be sharing with you methods to develop your own PK abilities, as it is also known. Before proceeding with this show, I would like to take a moment and thank a couple of my friends, Edward Douglas and Gavin Goscob, of the Midnight Syndicate, who composed the music that ushers in the Shaman's Brew. These guys are amazing, and I recommend checking out their site, which you can find from a link on the front page of my site www.sacredsoils.com I think you enjoy the work as much as I do I would like to invite you to walk with me on a journey through the elemental plane of power I'm going to take you to the moment of creation of the elemental kingdom and give you possibly a new perspective on the elements and the element personifications known as elementals or inorganic beings as the shaman call them I will explain the nature of these forces and beings and instruct you on a very powerful method to summon and banish them while maintaining absolute control and maximum elemental power effectiveness. I will be doing this by using a shamanic technique I call Dynamic Power Summoning as I call forth the element of fire right on the show. To get started I would like you to indulge me by playing a game with me to better help you envision the nature of the elemental kingdom. Just for a moment, push aside what you read or heard about the elements and the elementals while opening your mind to an alternate vision of reality. At the center of creation of our multidimensional universe, there was the source of all that is and ever will be this source was a non-propagational force meaning its power is contained in a defined space and did not radiate or travel from its center. This force could be called the Creator. Then for some incomprehensible reason this force exploded outwards in all directions expanding from its center forming the multidimensional universe around us. As a force expanded from its center it began to vibrate as a result of diminishing density and outward motion. The closer you were to the center of the source the higher was the frequency of vibration and the further you traveled from the center the slower the vibrations became. These oscillations in the field of force created something that never before existed a polarity in the force, an opposing duality that would become a motivational factor for constant change, while at the same time bringing balance to the multiverse. The original force of creation had transformed into a dynamic and perfectly balanced duality, which many of us refer to as the God and Goddess. What happened next will be the topic of a future show. For now, let us focus on the spectrum of vibrations of this newly created duality. We now have this enormous field of vibrating primal force with many different frequencies of vibration. The force then begins to naturally segregate itself in terms of harmonic resonance forming rings of vibrational force interpenetrating each other, yet separated by their harmonics. We call these rings planes. The physical plane, the elemental plane, Uh, the astral plane and so on. The higher the vibration, the closer it is to the center of the primal source. These rings or planes of vibration interact with each other through sympathetic harmonics, meaning that the lower frequencies of one plane stimulate the higher frequencies of the plane below it, causing information and energy to be transmitted between the planes. Now hopefully you're still with me because now we're getting to the good stuff. For this show we are interested only in the two lower rings or planes of vibration, the elemental or etheric plane and the physical plane. The physical plane has seven bands of harmonic oscillations giving us the various states of matter that we are familiar with, solid, liquid, gaseous, and plasmatic now you may be thinking wait a minute that's only four states and I said there were seven and uh, the reason for that is there are two states of matter above the plasma state that have yet to be discovered by scientists and one below the solid that also has not been defined by our science the elemental or etheric plane is also known as a plane of power for it contains all the energy that is manifested on the physical plane it also has seven main harmonic divisions. For the context of this show, we are concerned with only four of them, those being the harmonic frequencies of air, fire, water, and earth. These four harmonic subplanes of the elemental kingdom contain the energetic blueprints of everything found in the physical plane. These energetic blueprints, can be thought of as instructions for our physical world that determines the properties, appearance, and interactions of physical matter. Just as DNA determines the structure and property of a living organism, so do the elements of the elemental plane determine the makeup of our physical world. This is actually one of the principles that magic works on. If you change the blueprints, you change the reality of the physical world. The four elements interact together to form completeness and balance in our physical world. If you alter or manipulate one or more of these elements, you will bring about a change, which is what we call magic. In reality, there is a lot more to it than that involving the astral plane and some of the higher planes, but I don't want to bury my listeners too deep with all the details in this show. So we will stay focused on the elemental plane for now. One thing that makes the elemental plane different than the physical is that there seems to be less diversity in the elemental plane compared to the many vibrations and types of matter found in the physical plane. This makes each of the four elements in the elemental plane more pure and consistent out of this pure vibrational energy semi-intelligent sentient beings have formed out of each of the elements air fire water and earth each being all share one soul for each of the elements and therefore each one has the ability to control their own element we call these beings elementals or inorganic beings and we can communicate and manipulate them and the power they control by using magical or ritual methods. When we call the quarters or invoke the elements, these are the beings we are calling. One interesting thing about summoning elementals is that they cannot enter our three-dimensional world in full form. They enter our sacred circles as two-dimensional beings, pressing as close as they can to our physical vibration, much like when we place our hands and face against a window trying to see in. Make no mistake though, the energy they can manifest is very real, effective, and dangerous. This brings me to the topic of Elemental Summoning and Control. Elementals are not subject to human emotions. They do not experience love, or joy, or sorrow, or hate. They simply exist to perform their task so they will not respond to what you say or do as other physical creatures might. What they respect and react to is personal power and the transmission of it through your intent. So in order to tap into their unique qualities and utilize their abilities, you must control them with the only stimulus they understand, personal power, also known as Chi. If you are passively invoking them trying to bestow your kind human emotions of love and compassion on them. Then you will get either little or no results, or most likely, you will lose their respect and therefore control, unleashing their wrath upon you and the surrounding area. These beings do not intend to harm you or anything else. They just do what they're designed to do. And if anything gets in harm's way, oh well. My teacher taught me a technique that has been handed down through many generations of shaman specifically designed for invoking and controlling entities such as elementals by using your personal power driven by your intent. It is called power summoning and is actually fairly simple to use. The first principle of power summoning deals with your own perspective of the entity being summoned. When dealing with any entity other than deity, You will need to maintain perspective of the entity's nature by honoring and respecting it for what it is and nothing more. Do not treat it as an equal or greater being than you by humbly bowing down to it. Otherwise, the entity will perceive it as a sign of weakness and take control of the situation in any way it can. These kind of entities respect and obey you in direct proportion to your own personal power of intent. This leads us into the second principle of power summoning, the manifestation of your own personal intent. The ancient Latin proverb, scientium est magnum, which means knowledge is power, pretty much says it all in regards to this principle. You must understand your own intent in order to effectively use it. One of the most important facts to consider about intent is where the physical source of your intent originates. Many people do not know where the intent comes from, and to use it without knowledge is a major handicap. It would be like trying to speak with your hand. It can be done, but not very effectively. The energy of intent, your personal power, also known as Chi, originates from an area just a couple inches above your navel it actually is also about two inches outside the confines of your physical skin located in your etheric energy body this energy can be transmitted very forcibly directly from this location or it can be channeled from this area to other parts of the body such as your arms and hands and then transmitted out from that point This is what you would do if you were using a magical tool, such as a ritual sword, sending the energy from the navel region up through the arms and out to your sword or wand, or simply your fingertips. The important thing to remember here is that you should first visualize the energy stirring and gathering in the area of intent just above your navel, and then channel it out directly uh, from there either to the Target directly or up through the body and then out this will drive your personal power from its source with the maximum amount of control and efficiency next we must once again reflect on the Latin proverb stating that knowledge is power by knowing everything you can about the entity that you are summoning here knowledge means control Plant firmly the nature of the element that the entity controls within your mind and fill yourself with the image of that element so that you have it firmly centered and targeted with precision. Now take three slow, deep breaths, mentally visualizing each breath to contain the essence of the entity and the element that they control. You are now ready to perform your summoning remember when performing whatever form of summoning that fits your belief system to make it dynamic and command and blast your words out with the force of your directed intent either from the center of intent or channeled through your magical tool I am now going to give you a sample of this kind of power summoning by doing it right now live on the show I was going to give you an example first of how not to do it But I decided against it out of respect to those who may be using the more passive methods in their rituals now. So I will just say that if you're using a lot of kindness or niceties or giving the elementals too many choices of action, then you might want to rethink your strategy. Or not. What I offer is only a suggestion. Okay. So let's do it. I have already purified and created my sacred space by setting up my circle of protection. Actually, I use a sphere of protection that surrounds the area totally, extending into the earth a few feet and up into the second floor above me, which I might add really freaks my dog out upstairs. She will not enter that area until the bubble is drawn back. I will now summon and then banish the Elemental of Fire to demonstrate the power summoning technique. I will be using a ritual sword in this summoning. Guardians of the Watchtower of the South, element of Fire, I summon you now to the sacred space to stand guard and make available the primal fires of creation. By my intent so shall it be. I am now creating an invoking pentagram in the air with my sword and then charging and sealing it with a forward lunge to the center just as the fire elemental enters the circle as it just did. (sighs) Interesting thing to note here is that it seems to be unusually brilliant which could mean that it's uh, very interested in the show or I did something wrong and I'm about to be torched. With this in mind and in view of the fact that I have no other purpose for this elemental other than to demonstrate I will now banish it by sending it back to the elemental kingdom with honor and respect. Guardians of the Watchtower of the South, I thank you for serving me well and send you with honor directly back to your elemental kingdom. Do not interact or harm anyone on your way. By my will, so shall it be. I am now making the banishing pentagram and piercing its center and then raising the tip in salute to the departing element. Hmm. It's not departing. Okay, there it goes. And... It's gone. A little worried on that one. I've never done it uh, in a recording before. Um, Anyway, this method can be used when summoning any type of entity. Be it one of the lower elementals or one of the more complex spiritual entities. I appreciate you allowing me to share my thoughts and techniques with you, and I hope I was able to shine a little light on this often confusing subject. So until our next encounter, good luck with your intent, and remember to laugh often. Life should never be as serious as we often make it out to be. now before I share with you my dissertation on psychokinesis, we're going to take a break and listen to a little Gaia Consort in Blood.
1: Fear in the dark Every breath leaves a trace that I follow I will catch every mark Move and surely my sharp eye will see you Stop and I'll take you down Joy of tooth on the bone and the gristle Blood alive in my mouth Some will say there is safety in numbers Tell that myth to the edge of the herd Leave the weekend, I might eat-
0: My name is Adge. I'm a druid from Ireland. And I'm very busy with the Save Tara campaign. We're trying to divert the road that's going to be built, the toll road away from Tara Hill. So if any of you can help out with this, please go to our website at www.tarascreen.org and please help us to save the heart of Ireland from having a star gouged right across it. I believe there are 40 million Americans that claim Irish descent, concerns each and every one of you. Please help to save Tara. And thank you for In this show, I am going to take you on a path of discovery in hopes of illuminating one of the most powerful and mysterious abilities of the human mind—the ability to move objects by thought alone. Known today as psychokinesis, telekinesis, or simply PK, this phenomenon has manifested throughout all of human history and is believed to be the underlying force behind many mystical feats, from influencing the environment through meditations and focused intent, also known as magic, levitation, and the bending of metals such as spoons, to religious miracles such as charging holy water, healing diseased bodies, and stigmata. But what is this strange and mysterious force? Where does it come from? Do all people have this ability? If so, how is it triggered and controlled? I will try to answer these questions the best I can, drawing upon my training as a Toltec shaman and as a scientific paranormal researcher. Simply stated, Psychokinesis is the ability of the mind to influence the physical environment with the use of intention alone. Everyone has this ability, but it lies dormant in most people. If you've been watching a sporting event, wishing for a score, or sat at a stoplight trying to will it to change to green, or played a casino trying to will the dice or slot machines into your favor then you've used psychokinesis. The problem is that being dormant inside you, the effects were very minimal and resulted in either very small change, if any, at all. Throughout history, there have been individuals who have been either born with this ability or through some unknown process had it awakened, but these individuals are very rare indeed. Some of the names of these rare individuals are Madame Bolavsky, who was said to make bells ring simply by walking by them. She was born in Russia in 1831 and died in England in 1891 and was the founder of the Theosophical Society. One of the greats is Yuri Geller, one of the best-known psychics in the world, who has displayed his abilities to bend spoons and keys both publicly and in the laboratory under very strict conditions? Yuri now lives in England and continues to this day to astonish audiences around the world with his amazing abilities. How do individuals like Yuri Geller and Madame Blavatsky control and release these energies is a question that scientists have been trying to answer for years. Dr. J.B. Rhine of Duke University was one of the first to undertake a serious scientific study of this phenomenon. Dr. Rhine reported that he observed that PK does not seem connected with any physical process of the brain, or to be subject to any of the mechanical laws of physics. It does seem to be a non-physical force of the mind which can act on matter in statistically measurable ways. The results produced cannot be explained by physics. Another notable researcher was American physicist Helmut Smith, who in the 1960's developed a machine which operated on the random decay of radioactive particles. Known as the electronic coin flipper, Dr. Smith's machine was used to test the influence of an individual's mind over the random triggering of his device. The statistical figures were then categorized by the relationship to probability by chance. The electronic coin flipper was a prototype of computerized random event generators which have produced significant PK results. For those of you who wish to know more about the history of uh, psychokinetic research, Uh, there's an abundance of information available on the web and you can just go to Google and type in uh, PK or psychokinesis and you'll get uh, all kinds of information. For now let's get down to the classifications and theories of psychokinesis. There are three main classifications of PK phenomenon and those are micro PK, macro PK, and Direct Mental Interaction with Living Systems which carries the acronym of DMILS, D-M-I-L-S. Micro-PK refers to psychokinetic effects that are on a very small scale such as the alteration of an electronic signal or the deflection of a single electron beam. Most laboratory experiments deal with this type of PK because it can be manifested by the majority of the population. Macro-PK refers to the psychokinetic effects that can be seen with the eyes and recorded without statistical analysis. Examples of this type of PK would be spoon bending, levitation and changes in room temperature. The third degree, or excuse me, the third category would be direct mental interaction with living systems or dmls refers to the influencing of a biological system at a distance. This is usually done on a cellular level but can extend to as fine a target as bacterium or even a DNA molecule. Examples of this type of PK would be the controlling of biological functions such as a decrease or increase of blood pressure The induction of physiological hallucinations and faith healing. Another interesting facet of psychokinesis is known as recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, RSPK for short. It is more commonly known as the poltergeist phenomenon. The German word poltergeist means noisy ghost. During a poltergeist event, physical objects will move or fly across the room. Objects or people may even levitate and float in midair. Loud noises and rapping on walls are often reported, and objects have been known to vanish only to reappear at a later time. Research suggests that recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis generally centers around an individual or agent that is under emotional stress. The majority of reported poltergeist cases involve adolescent agents anywhere from twelve to the early twenties. Although most cases involve a single agent, it is possible for multiple agents to combine their unconscious emotional turmoil and actually trigger phenomenon without knowing the cause mass suggestion fed by emotional fear could also be a catalyst of this phenomenon there are many theories about the actual mechanics involved with psychokinetic phenomenon but to date they all remain just theories scientific test equipment can measure the effects of PK manifestations in our physical world but the actual force that causes these physical effects remains elusive many think that during a PK event, the agent's mind generates a strong electromagnetic field that somehow influences physical matter. Others believe that an energy is channeled into our own physical dimension from somewhere else through the agent. I have my own theories regarding energetic mechanics of PK, and much of my research in PK is based on this theory. It is my belief that that the mind generates electric and magnetic fields but those fields are relatively weak and their effects on distant objects is very similar to that of gravity. The energetic forces projected by the mind diminish in relation to the distance between the mind and the object. Therefore, the possibility of the mind using these types of forces to move heavy, heavy objects is virtually nil. However, there is yet an undefined force that has manifested throughout all of human history called chi, prana, otic force, and on and on, each culture has given it its own name. Given that this force exists and can be channeled or generated by the human mind gives us a plausible scenario that might explain the PK phenomenon. The only drawback I see with this scenario is that the quantity of energy needed to levitate a drinking glass against the pull of gravity would be so great that even the most crude of scientific instruments would pick up something in the proximity of the phenomenon. This means that there must be something happening on a much more subtle level involving another dimension of our multiverse. Without going into too much detail, I believe that the energy needed to move an object or bend a spoon is not directly exerted on the target but rather on the energetic forces around the target in a different dimensional reality. In other words, instead of generating the enormous amount of energy needed to levitate a hundred pound object change the forces that are interacting with that object which make it weigh a hundred pounds. Consider gravity as a flow of energy from one object to another of a yet undefined nature because it exists in a different dimensional reality. The attraction or pull of the two objects would result in a force we call gravity as energy flows through in a single direction causing a frictional drag on the atomic structure of the objects now consider what would happen if your mind could manipulate subtle energy changes in a different dimensional system very close to our own physical world and interfere or even reverse the flow of this undefined energy call it chi if you will the result would be either weightlessness or forcible thrust of energy and the direction determined by the placement of the subtle energy change on the target. In the case of spoon bending you would have the same subtle interdimensional energy manipulation by your mind directed toward the very atomic forces that bonds the matter together in a very small area resulting in the change of state of matter from solid to semi-liquid without the dissipation of heat. Anyway, those are the things that I keep myself up at nights with thinking about. Based on this theory, I have been able to set up experiments to trigger this undefined energy as well as methods and techniques of training the mind to increase its ability to manipulate these undefined interdimensional energies. The experiments and research still continues as time and funding allows. But as of this date, I have uncovered various methods to test your own PK abilities, as well as methods to develop this seemingly infinite power. With this theory in mind, you can now start conducting your own experiments in psychokinetics. But before you begin to expand your abilities, It might be interesting and fun to test your abilities in MicroPK with some simple online tests that will give you instantaneous results. If you go to my website, www.sacredsoils.com and click on the button that says The Shaman's Brew, you will see a link that says Psychokinetic Experiment. Click on that and you will be taken to another website They will have three electronic online PK tests that you can practice for free. Simply follow the instructions and have some fun. After testing your current psychokinetic abilities, you may want to start experimenting with methods to improve your abilities. If so, then you may follow my recommendations for PK development. The first step is to learn to meditate and quiet your internal dialogue, the chatter that goes on inside your head at all times. This is the key to releasing and directing subtle energy that is responsible for psychokinetic manifestations. There are many types of meditations for accomplishing this state of mind. You may even have one of your own that you already practice. Some people simply use breathing and chanting and find that that will uh, help their minds while others use audio signals for more powerful effects. Whichever you choose it is important that you do not rush the results. Personally I like to use audio signals mixed with phase shifts. I actually created a a series of audio signals just for this purpose. Once you have chosen your form of meditation and have learned to quiet your mind, the next step is to choose a target, be it an online test or something more physical like a foam ball, matchbook, or even a pair of dice. Then you must decide what you want to happen. A simple, short movement or perhaps rolling a particular number with dice will work fine. The important thing to remember is to keep it simple and focus on the desired result. With the desired result in mind and your mind calm, visualize in your mind's eye exactly what you want to happen and hold this image sharply in your mind. Next, while holding the vision in your mind, focus your attention on the spot where you feel this vision is sitting inside your mind. For most people, it will be in the center of the head right behind the eyes. Now feel or sense a pressure at the top of your head like a plunger pushing the vision down through your head and down along your spinal column. Feel it slowly building an energy from each chakra as it passes on its way down the spine. Continue to push it down holding the vision firmly, regardless of its location in your body. This process may create a sensation of displaced consciousness as your vision of the desired result moves and you may feel at times that you are seeing from new levels of awareness as your seat of consciousness moves with the vision. Continue to push it down until you reach the very base of your spine and hold it there feeling the energy that it has picked up on its journey feel the energy of the primal chakra as the base of the spine feeding this vision as it begins to vibrate and want to move on on its uh, on its own you may feel a pleasant tingling sensation in that area of your body but Try not to be distracted by it. Finally, do a final count of three, two, one, and then fire the vision, which has now become a thought form. Back up your spine, but only to the area of your navel. At this level, picture it firing out of the energy center that sits just a couple inches above your navel and out to the target. Picture it soaring like a rocket and encompassing your target as it manipulates the forces of gravity and atomic bonding as it carries out the programmed desired results. The reason you fire the thought form from your naval area is because this is the area of the body that controls your intent, your focus, conviction of will. This technique can be actually be formed in a matter of seconds with a little practice and become second nature in time. The only other way I know to enhance the effects or speed up the learning and mastery of this ability is with the use of the guided audio signals I previously mentioned. There are many things that can be accomplished with even a small amount of success in PK manipulation. You can greatly enhance your magical endeavors or bring your healing talents to a whole new level. Yes, you might even be able to influence the spin of a wheel or the fall of the dice in a games of chance. The possibilities are endless. One last word of caution here. If you try spoon bending, don't make the same mistake I did and have to buy your wife all new silverware. In my next show, I have a little surprise for you I'm going to teach you a new technique in spell casting, and the Shaman's Brew will be the first place this technique will appear to the world. I'm going to introduce you to the art and practice of casting your spells and thought forms through time. Imagine casting a spell from the present to the past to affect the future. I guarantee you won't want to miss this show. So until then, I bid you farewell and thank you for listening. I am now going to play this show out with an amazing song from the Twilight New Moon soundtrack called Rosalyn. This is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on Jackalope 105 FM on the Jackalope Media Network. <laughs>
2: Sorry.